who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today, from divorce to call-out culture to masculinity to girls' confidence. Season two of Thread the Needle finds the meeting place between feminist ideals and the realities of women's lives. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready for the news with a side of bell pepper? Seriously, what the f*** are you doing? It's time for Trend Lightly. No, God, please, no, no! With America's sweetheart. With America's sweetheart. Oh my God! The Queen of Glendale. Glendale. The Irish American Tornado, Surprise, Molly McAleer. Molly McAleer. Welcome back to Trend Lightly, everybody. My name is Molly McAleer, and with me is my co-host Tiffany Maddox. Hi, it's me. Hi. Of course, we are going to get to the Gabby Petito story that's been going on for, I mean, well, months honestly, but really has only come into play publicly since around September, maybe like 12th, 13th. That's when we as the public got to hear about it because it was a very social media driven story and it has only become more and more crazy. I am having full-blown sensory overload right now after being in a discord for pretty much every waking hour for three days, ignoring responsibilities, changing plans, lying, fibbing, <laughs> ignoring people. I, it's just, I don't, there's nothing I want to do more. And if you do not understand why I need to help find Gabby Petito, you're toxic to me. <laughs> Tiffany, you, I know you've been into it too. So we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show. But first, well, I mean, Tiffany, I feel like this is your story. Oh, this is this has made my this has made my month. I think this may be this is going to go down in history for me, and it's my favorite thing that's happening on the internet right now. And I love the fact that like I thought this would be a flash in the pan. We discussed this very briefly when we did a stereo, but it has continued to grow and evolve. And that is the story of Nicki Minaj's cousin in Trinidad's friends 
balls, his testicles. Right. His, his testicles. giant testicles, his huge, swollen <laughs> testicles, his Trinidadian testes. Yeah. Wait. So I do you have the original tweet on you? Do you have uh, it on you? <laughs> I know you sent it to me as well. So I'm scrolling through our text. Sorry, guys. I should have been more prepared with inside this. my coat where I store all my tweets and TikToks like pocket yeah. watches. <laughs> um, so Nicki Minaj tweeted 13th of September. And I think this was a response right to everybody asking Nikki why she wasn't at the Met Gala. And they were like, uh, Nikki, why aren't you in the Met Gala? She said, because you have to be vaccinated to go. And then this tweet came out of the blue. She said, my cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was just weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision. Not bullied. I mean... It's crazy. And everyone ran with this. And as the original Barb, I have to say, the world's oldest Barb, I have to say, it's so difficult to be a Barb sometimes. <laughs> um, it's so difficult because you can't defend her actions, right? Like sometimes with this, you cannot defend this. Mm -hmm. And you can't defend what it seems like she's used this whole opportunity to cover up for. But, like, it continues on and she sort of flip-flops about the issue and later says, oh, you know, I'll get vaccined when I have a tour. But right now I just don't want to do it. Then this continues on to her getting kicked off of Twitter. She was put in Twitter jail. Then, like, a couple days later, she took a had a screenshot from the page that made everyone think she wasn't going to the Met because she – wasn't vac vaccinated she was like oh you guys really thought that this was like the met page like the met gala's official page like basically it seemed like a massive troll and mm -hmm. she was flip-flopping a lot and it's like why you think to yourself why would someone spread such malicious misinformation for fun have we discussed i mean we discussed briefly but i mean i think the last time I sort of fully checked in on this, I was like, well, this just seems like recycled information that's come through a family WhatsApp group. Like this doesn't really seem like it's um, like intentionally kind of messed up. And, and like with with peace and love, Molly, it does sound like a bit of a like a like a Molly excuse, <laughs> like something that's just no, so I absurd, <laughs> like something that's so absurd that it's like it couldn't possibly, you know, it's it's like a thing that you know, is true, but isn't true, whatever. But yeah, it's like, I can't, I don't know where to hang my hat on this on whether or not I believe that Nikki was like just having a heavy troll or whether or not she was like sleep deprived as a new mother and just posting some shit she got on a family WhatsApp. Oh, it does definitely have that feel. And later I realized, I came to the conclusion that it must have been satirical in some way. Like, because it does have such an obvious, like, forward, forward, forward email <laughs> feel. Like, you know, yeah. when you get that thing from your family member that's telling you that people are sex trafficking at every Walmart in the nation. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that is definitely the feel that it had. And, and Nikki is, does stupid things, but she is not stupid. So I kind of feel like that was her running with it. And unfortunately, because this was, you know, a, a claim that went super, super wide, the health minister 
of Trinidad and Tobago, Dr. Terrence Dayal Singh, I think, responds to swollen testicle claim made by Trinidad-born entertainer at Nicki Minaj. There's no such reported case in Trinidad and Tobago. So we'll play this clip really quickly. One of the reasons we could not respond yesterday in real time to Miss Minaj is that we had to check and make sure that what she was claiming was either true or false. We did, we, and unfortunately, we wasted so much time yesterday running down this false claim. It is, as far as we know, at this point in time, there has been no such reported either side effect or adverse event. And what was sad about this is that it wasted our time yesterday trying to track down because we take all these claims seriously whether it's on social media or mainstream media as we stand now there is absolutely no reported such side effect or adverse event of testicular swelling in trinidad or i dare say dr hines anywhere else none that we know of anywhere else in the world so you know I think like we're slightly underestimating what it costs when someone spreads a rumor like this. Like, I don't think Trinidad was necessarily prepared to no. take on this sort of quest. And, you know, it comes out and this is all just, you know, it's, it's, it's speculation, I guess, but it does seem very much in line with it. So, Nicki Minaj and her husband, Kenneth Petty, there's this article by the Daily Beast. The title is Nicki Minaj and husband Kenneth Petty's campaign to silence his sexual assault victims. And this came out back in March of 2021. But essentially what happened on September 11th was that Nicki Minaj's husband was called to court about a rape case that he was involved in that, you know, he's accused of, of raping this 15-year-old girl. 9-11 is a great day to bury news, isn't it? Like, it's a great day to bury news because there's a lot of stuff that's circling around that's kind of popped up this week, well, but it's the ideal day. Well, this was the 20th anniversary. Yeah. And she is right. That would have been picked up and the narrative would have been awful. She certainly can't mention it. So I thought this was an interesting approach. A very interesting approach. Like, oh, she saw her opportunity yeah. and she seized it. Hell yeah. Like every, and, and that we know that this is a thing, right? That, that often celebrities will do a thing so that they, so that when their name trends at the top of a Google search, then something else comes up as opposed to the thing that might be a little bit more sinister. I mean, in my country, that Chris Whitty and our prime minister were both asked about Nicki Minaj and Nicki Minaj sent Boris Johnson a voice note in response to this. So like what better way to bury this like very seedy, sordid news than create an international incident? That Absolutely. Would, you know, yeah. She also got into a huge public fight with Piers Morgan. She's also been invited to the White House. The White House, is it Jen... Psaki, I don't know how to say her last name, but she that she's a new spokesperson, and right. she confirmed that that Nicki Minaj had been in, invited 
to it sounded less important than what Nikki said. It was almost like she was invited to have a digital tour or something. It wasn't <laughs> Nikki Minaj made it seem like she was going to be rolling up there like Jackie O or something. Uh <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, it is good in some ways that this like further sparked the conversation. It has been a big anti-vax move, I've noticed, to be like, you know what? Nicki Minaj is actually kind of great. Like, you hear all these. <laughs> oh, it's like, dude, like, if you only knew, if you only knew what this like misinformation was actually tied to. And to be clear, honestly, me, myself. I feel like Nicki Minaj has enough things brought to her and that she sort of just like stays at home that I personally don't particularly like care to police the fact that she vaccinates, but it's all of her fans that have to leave their house every day to go to a job. Like that's who I'm talking about should be vaccinated. I don't care if you're someone that is like a recluse and you've decided you also want to do this for your health. Like that doesn't really bother me because you're not actively a part of the problem. You're just, I don't know, I guess maybe at more acceptance with the fact that you could die. I don't know. But yeah, um, yeah. that's postmates. Uh, like she's fine. <laughs> the, the main problem with like celebrity, that's the problem with celebrity anti-vaxxers. Like keep that shit to yourself, dude. Like no one can afford your lifestyle. Yeah, take. I mean, I always and I know she's she's a very sort of like uh, ready salted crisps or vanilla ice cream flavor of human. But like, I had a mad respect for Jen Aniston when she was just like, yeah, I just don't. I just cut people out now. Like, I just don't associate with that. Like, I'm just not engaging with that. Like, people who are super anti-vax, I'm just not doing that. And I was like, wow, bold move, Jen Aniston. This is like, this is kind of spicy from you. Well, spice dogs. Yeah. Also. <laughs> 50 Cent went on, I don't know, Jimmy Kimmel or something, one of the Jimmies, and said something about how, you know, this was quite obviously, and I think we all agree, probably something that happened at the bachelor party. If anyone's balls got swollen and then it ended their marriage, (laughs) it's probably a sign of a very good bachelor party. And that's, you know, I absolutely can understand why that man... (laughs) would be telling people that it's you know the johnson and johnson shot so this is the johnson and his johnson sorry (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sorry please move on no that's perfect so okay we are kind of blowing through the stories at the top very quickly today to get to gabby petito but this scott i i just couldn't let go of this story and tiffany this this happened in your home base Oh, so this is the story about a, a teen who supposedly said that he was trying to measure the length of his penis and he got a USB cable stuck in it. I don't believe that to be true. In my experience, I've had a lot of friends that are doctors. When people put things in their bodies, it is often not for <laughs> it's often not for innocent means. There's often a sexual purpose to it. So like I call bullshit, I call cap. Like he wasn't trying to measure shit. He was he was trying out a hot new thing called sounding. And I, well, I'm desperate to tell you this, it's a little gross, but I did a film a couple of years ago, which is a documentary that was set in a uh, sex dungeon. And when I went to, and I spent a lot of time kind of going and wreckying the sex dungeon. And the very first, like you just go and kind of check out the location and like, you know, speak to the people and get a feel and kind of build a rapport so that when you turn up, it's like not, like there's a warmth. Like a a recce, like a reconnaissance mission. Oh. 
Okay. First hundo P. Now we're doing recce. I've been on a recce for Gabby Petito for the last Uh week. Yeah. Okay. I get it. You're living the recce. Yeah. Soon. I don't think we will have any vowels in the way that I speak. It'll just be (laughs) just like short little consonants. So I went there to kind of check stuff out. And when we arrived, the houseboy, who's features in the film, answered the door and kind of sort of put his finger to his lips and was like, come on in, come on in. And this sex dungeon was really unique because the houseboy that lived there, um, he lived downstairs in this little bedroom, this little windowless room, basically. And upstairs were these like kind of kitted out dungeon rooms. And then in the back, there was this like cute little kitchen and living space and like a patio. So he brought us in, kind of ushered us through to the patio and was like telling us to be quiet. And we could hear this kind of like these like chain noises upstairs. And we kind of like shuttled in and he like pulled the door behind him and he just said, I'm really sorry. There's actually the the mistress is with someone upstairs at the moment. I can't take you up there. I'll make you a cup of tea. Like we'll sit down. I was like, oh, that's fine. That's fine. I said, oh, they're just finishing up. And he's like, yeah, it's running over. So we sat there like <laughs> just just having a tea and making polite conversation in the dungeon. And the mistress came downstairs, the resident mistress in the day, and she came downstairs with like a tissue covered in blood. <laughs> she was like, oh, I think he's going to be all right. He just needs 10 minutes. And I was like, what? Like what happened? And she said, I was sounding him. And like sounding is when you put various thicknesses uh-huh. of rods into the urethra. Mm-hmm. And she said, and something happened and it, it caught. And there was a little bit of blood and then he saw it and he got really, really faint, but he's, he's just, he just needs him. And he basically like passed out upstairs. So she had to bring him up like a cup of orange squash and a biscuit, you know, like when you see someone who's like, who's fainted and you have to give them sugar. And so we basically had to make, uh, it was up to then 30 minutes of polite conversation about everything, but the guy whose dick was bleeding upstairs. Oh my God. I mean, okay, wait. So I cannot imagine. I mean, like I can, I've uh, like come to terms, like under, I was close as I can to understanding like why someone would like anal sex. Okay. I think I understand, but okay. okay. The sounding thing to me feels like a form of almost like body mod, like, like it cannot feel good I cannot imagine that that's actually sexually pleasing oh it must be so uncomfortable I can't even I can it's like trying to put like if I had my earring hole and I tried to put a metal (laughs) rod through it I mean I just I'm I'm beyond any words um and you're probably right because this you know New York Post only the finest media outlets on trend lightly uh (laughs) says that this started because it, he had a he was triggered by sexual curiosity there we um, go. which is like not like I would say that if I was measuring oh my god there's a picture of the fucking USB and by the way it is absolutely like a, a Samsung charger oh it's, it's that it's a, it's he's, a, so a chunky he's an, boy yeah yeah he's an he's not an iPhone guy he's an Android guy if he was doing this because he was really concerned about (laughs) his penis size it would probably say it was stemming from insecurity not sexual curiosity right and why do you need to measure it from the inside 
Like, why would you? You would, and you would measure it from, you know, the base, like an, like a normal, from underneath, as you know, like that's, that's where you get more bang for your buck. I think if anything, he'd be shortchanged if he went oh, yeah, into no. the middle. The part of me that understood, like, <laughs> that process was like, okay, he feels like he just can't, like, the base is compromised. Maybe he is slightly overweight. Or, like, he just feels like it's actually bigger than the end of the ruler could show. So, like, he needs a more exact <laughs> measurement. That's what I was thinking was going on. But here's here's a question. If he had plugged that USB into his computer, do you think he would have died? Oh. Because his body, there's liquid and shit, and that's electricity. Yeah, that is a good point. I think it has to be touching metal to conduct though, right? Even though I think it'll be, I think he'd have a low grade, a low grade probably tingle and shock and it'd be very unpleasant. I say this is with my medical degree, PhD, PDF, uh, MP3. But I think, (laughs) I think like, I think he'd probably get a little tingle. In which case, if if the goal is to create gratification through electrostimulation something I've also seen in my tenure at the sex dungeon then perhaps just uh, pop a battery I mean don't pop a battery down there but I mean I think there is I think I, I think you're on to something with the plugging in thing there because there are about a million other things that you could try first which also leads me to think that this was not the first time he'd put something down there no. this is escalation to me no this was like I flew too close to the sun. I absolutely need my mom involved. It's like this is yeah. I've, I, it's, I've gone too far. All right, moving on from our our USB penis boy. There's a story that I absolutely it just warmed my heart. If you guys aren't familiar with the Christian alternative rock post grunge indie rock power pop band that's how they're described on wikipedia switchfoot switchfoot was like it was big in the i think they started like kind of popping off in the like late 90s for or for real like in terms of commercial success as far as you can have commercial right. true commercial success as a christian band they had songs on the walk to a walk to remember soundtrack that was very notable for some people. But yeah, so this fan of theirs who grew up Christian but is now queer uh, goes by the name The Baldridges on TikTok. And she made a video saying that she was going to see Switchfoot that night. And she grew up Christian. So she grew up loving their music. But since, you know, it was realized she's queer. So she decided that she was going to scream gay rights in the middle of the show and see if there was any sort of reaction to it. I've linked the original TikTok in our notes. Uh, please, you guys, always go check out our notes because sometimes we are able to expand on our stories more than we have time for in the notes. But the lead member of Switchfoot actually replied to this TikTok. It was this so is why awesome. they start. They started the account to be able to do that. So I'll play the the clip here. It's very heartwarming. Ball Switchfoot has always seemed like a really loving and kind band and group of people. Hey Grace, how you doing? 
so honored that you came to our show last night. I saw your story, wanted to respond and tell you, yes, I support your rights and freedoms. I want you to feel loved and supported. I want you to feel treasured, valued, seen. I want all love and joy and beauty and truth for you. Love and embrace have always been central to our story and our song. We need our differences. I'm so glad that you were there last night. In fact, it breaks my heart to think that you would not be accepted. Let me correct that. You and your journey and your story are welcome at a Switchfoot show. I said something like this last night and I truly meant it. If you look different than me, if you vote different than me, if you believe differently than me, if you love different than me, you are beloved, you are my sister, you are my brother need you like you need me like I need you like you need me our music has always been for anyone who's open-minded enough to jump into the dialogue agnostic atheist consumerist Jewish Muslim doubters believers haters lovers LGBTQ plus and everyone else who's brave enough to look for meaning and, and truly jump into that no one else is an expert on someone else's experience and I can't pretend to know your pain uh, I can only know my own I know what it's like to feel like you don't fit in even the song where I belong is referencing a longing for a belonging that I've never felt here on the planet and I don't know your pain but I know what it's like to wrestle with depression and anxiety I know what it's like to feel voiceless in a hypocritical culture that feels deeply flawed. I know what that feels like. And I'm sure you've received all sorts of pain and hardship along the way. I'm so sorry. May these wounds heal. May you transcend them. That these wounds would not define you, but that you would define them. May you find peace and truth and love on your journey. Keep writing songs. Keep creating beauty, keep reaching out, keep being honest, keep chasing beauty and truth and light and love. Keep choosing to see the good in people, even the folks who might be different than you. With all love and respect, I hope to see you around sometime. How sweet. Oh, just the sweetest, just the absolute sweet. And it feels very sincere to me too. Oh, this man, I would believe about anything. Yeah, I and would trust him. I would trust him with my I life, am I think. generally distrustful of, of white men, let alone white male musicians. But <laughs> yeah. he gives me vibes of someone. I'm think, looking at his sweet face. Like, you have to watch the video to see how earnest he is. But I cried when I watched it just because I was like, that is such a sweet message. Yeah. That could probably be, you know, divisive in their fan group. Yeah. And, you know, not only saying it, but like taking two minutes and 55 seconds to go on and on about it and just highlight his values and how much he appreciates her. He's, his, um, his caption was like, everybody belongs at a Switchfoot show. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I know. I 
<laughs> but I, I, I love the sentiment. It gave me vibes of, did you ever see, this was like maybe, a, it was over a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, but something very similar happened with um, Mandy Patankin. I never know if I'm oh, saying Oh, come anything. on. I can't even get into that. That was so sweet. That made me sob. And I, when I watched this, I was like, wow, this is like, that's the beautiful thing about TikTok, I suppose, is that you can just like, like the, the, the content is so like of the moment and can be like incredibly disposable that you can just like be super reactive to stuff in the way of like early days of Twitter felt when celebrities first got on. Like it feels yeah. very... It feels very sincere and very genuine and just really heartwarming. And so I'm glad that she felt affirmed by what was her favorite band. I'm really pleased for her. For sure. For anyone who's wondering what the Mandy Patinkin thing is, well, first of all, we all love him on TikTok. He's just, I think he's beloved everywhere, but he's great on TikTok and often on there with his wife. And this girl had made a video saying that her dad had passed away. And she always loved watching The Princess Bride with him. And she had a very specific question about a line that he had improvised that was very real to his experience of losing his father. Right. And he and his wife replied. They were both like sobbing the whole time. He was like, can I please have your dad's name? I pray for people every night and I'll put them on my list. Like it was just, it was just beyond. And it was like, it's just too much. Like it was just too much. Like my heart couldn't take it. Yeah. Uh, it was very hormonal when I watched it too. And I recall like reading the comments and everyone was like, I'm crying. And I started watching and I was like, what? I'm not going to cry. And by the end of it, I was like, oh God, oh God. It was beautiful. It murdered me. So this is moving on. We're just going to touch on this real quickly because it's a, a story that we have covered in the past. And you know, as I told Tiffany, basically Jojo Siwa is our female Logan Paul and that I will find any way to mention her when possible because Same. we love Jojo. And one of our, you know, in our one of our first episodes when we talked about Jojo, part of it was, and also in the episode when she came out, was that she has this very unique situation of being a brand in addition to being a human being there's like definitely people who are brand like martha stewart for example right martha stewart has very specific trade where jojo her trade is more i think the trade came after in a way yeah, I would agree with that. I, I would agree with that. I think like she is such a, she is just such a force of personality that whatever she's turned her hand to has like been very, very, has been really, really successful. But like ultimately the reason why you're there is because like Jojo is just pure sunshine really. And I think like she punches through even my very dark cynicism. I would die for Jojo Siwa, not to be dramatic. Totally. And and before, you know, JoJo had signed with Nickelodeon, she was known for being on Dance Mom. She was also known for having, you know, a YouTube channel, of course, her signature bow. But she's been with Nickelodeon since 2016. And a lot of things have happened since 2016. JoJo has turned 18. She has come out. And she still loves working with Nickelodeon, but it is very much a contract relationship. They deal with all of her merchandise. They take a huge cut of her of her revenue. When people think, you know, when they hear, oh, she sold 41 million bows in 2018, they 
think that all that money goes to her. It's all essentially done by Nickelodeon. And that's the branding deal that they have. So she did this movie musical with Nickelodeon very recently. And she's also going on tour, which is something that she's done for years. She's always, you know, done these tours with the songs that they, I kind of feel like it's Dixie D'Amelio style with the music. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, you're famous. Do you sing? Like, so that's kind of what it was like. So She's not going to be able, according to Nickelodeon, to take these songs from the movie musical on the road because they are property well, uh, of Nickelodeon. Do you think that this is like a, is a, a monetary thing? Reason, as in like, um, I don't because know maybe if, the tour that she's doing is separate from Nickelodeon, so therefore Nickelodeon's or what you can't you can't profit off something that we own. Or do you think it's about them really trying to tightly control the image of her? And if they're not then creating and producing this show, then they don't want this these assets to be out in the world without their supervision probably a little bit of column a a little bit of column b but jojo's not doing smoky nightclubs you know (laughs) she's very well aware of her brand and isn't going to be an overtly bad influence to her fans and nickelodeon is already behind her in the coming out part of it they very quickly embraced that so You know, I do think JoJo has grown out of her Nickelodeon contract, but truthfully, Mm. I don't understand this line of thinking on Nickelodeon's part. If it's not, if it's not like, as you suggested about some sort of level of control, but like, I would, I would love, I would like, I think that that sort of co-branding thing is genius and it's only it only benefits people nickelodeon's not losing money no 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 hell no i think like as she gets older i think this will continue to be like a bit of a a bit of a struggle for her um she definitely seems to have like a very very good head on her shoulders like much more than other like young people who've been thrust into the spotlight with such like like with such aggression (laughs) almost I think she's like she seems incredibly well grounded and I would also say to like echo your point a very safe pair of hands with these properties like she's she literally isn't going to be putting on like a you know a, a sheer bow <laughs> across her nether regions like she's she's aware of what she is to the world but that is always going to be evolving as she grows up so I think it's a I think Nickelodeon have kind of shot themselves in the foot and I think good on her for like being really balanced and measured and honest and like coming out and speaking about it on Twitter when it is essentially like it's part of her bread and butter right like she doesn't want to look exactly. a gift in the mouth yeah oh I saw my girl on TMZ too she was out in the street doing a little pap interview about it Go for and her. you can tell she's in between a rock and a hard place right she's 18 years old now who knows how long I guess like you know I, I who knows how long her contract is supposed to go potentially it will be over and because her tour doesn't start until january 12th or january 13th 2022 Mm. so i'm wondering if this is some sort of threat to maybe get her to re-sign yeah maybe that would be a really good call actually I, i could see that like as a way to kind of push her back into the fold and almost like in a really in a really dark way like check her and be like well you know, you're probably going to want to sign with us because you're not going to be able to use us. You know, anything that's been created under this mantle is not going to be owned by you. So 
tread carefully, tread lightly, as it were. Tread lightly. Yeah, well, truly, like, also, I, I wonder how much certain aspects of her, she, I mean, she stopped wearing the bow in everyday life. I wonder if she's Taylor Swifting it, where she's slowly removing herself from the people that are going to control her mm. property because she stopped wearing the bow, which could be because she's 18 years old and doesn't want to wear the bow anymore. But I I wonder if Nickelodeon has like the patent on the bows or something. I think they might do, like the JoJo bow. I mean, because when they showed how many bows, I think it was um I forget which video it was, but maybe it was even when she was was she on Impulsive? She was, right? Am I did I fever dream that? She was No, on she was. She was. Okay. That's why I like JoJo is because she's a little, she's a little like rock and roll in that yeah. sense, but still nothing you could be like, JoJo, you went on Howard Stern and said you have <laughs> orgies every weekend, but she'll like dip a toe in Logan Paul, you know? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really strange image to me. But yeah, she like, I think she said she was, the, the amount of bows that have been sold was like, it was such an inordinately huge number that like obviously in order to have the infrastructure to do that and um oh I think it was yeah. like over it was like over 300 million yeah or something like that so maybe I think you're right maybe she's just like gradually like peeling back just dis- disassociating like starting to um starting to kind of forge her own way in this very gentle way like just kind of consciously uncoupling steadily from the forces in her life that have controlled it I mean if we see her with a snake I would be very pleased if we got into JoJo's reputation era. I'd be really up for that. Well, everyone's been talking, when is she going to go through her bangers era? For anyone who doesn't know what that means, that means like Miley Cyrus's, you know, the big era when she was, had, you know, really short hair and was sticking her tongue out all the time. That was, you know, a, a huge moment. And no one has handled that crossover to adult fame like Miley Cyrus. Quite. Um, and now she's at this sort of more tender age and she has, you know, where she's like, or reaching this really like kind of beautiful place in her life. Like when you think about all the stuff that Miley has gone through to even make her, you know, half as mature as she is at, at the age that she is, I think she's maybe like 27. She's now re-embracing Hannah Montana because I yeah. think she can have the hindsight on it and see what it really did for her well I'm sure she so resented that for so long and I think Nickelodeon creating resentment with Jojo is the dumbest thing that they could do <laughs> yeah I do I do I wonder if we should um that excellent TikTok you sent me about Miley Cyrus doing her cultural appropriate it up phase I think it oh was. um she ap- culturally appropriate it yes <laughs> <laughs> that's what they said with um also yeah Gwen Stefani culturally appropriate it <laughs> love that <laughs> no I mean this is that is the truth like as soon as I read that I was like that is so true because with some people and their terrible cultural appropriation or history of it part of the reason especially with Gwen Stefani why it's taken so long and still like you know it'll catch up with her in flare-ups Mm-hmm. but not really is that she fucking pulled it off dude she looked great like <laughs> she was the ultimate i mean and she she hijacked every culture when you really think about it remember her rasta phase baby oh yeah she was an equal opportunities appropriator 
For sure. Okay, so let's move into it. Gabby Petito. Oh, dear Lord. Dear Lord. Yeah. Please pray for me. So we're going to start by referencing the master Google Doc that has been put together. I first found this in the Reddit before I found my Discord, but this has a lot of the major beats of this case. If you're unfamiliar with this case, two like van life, hashtag van life, blog slash vloggers, a couple went on a cross-country trip in a van and she went missing and he returned home with the van and he immediately lawyered up and as of like now two nights ago when we recorded this we recorded this on Sunday he went missing himself or let's rephrase that, hiding. That is Mm -hmm. the words that Gabby's family has used. I want to, first of all, first and foremost, point out that this is not a true crime podcast, and I don't think that we have ever really covered true crime on this show. This is not, if you're subscribing because you think we're going to cover crime all the time, this is not what we do. I, of course, I am passively interested in true crime. I wouldn't say it's an obsession of mine or anything, but the way watching this story blow up and watching how the cops so fantastically fumbled it mm. and watching how the family and friends of Gabby Petito have used social media and also you know, the debates around the debates. There's so many micro mini debates. There's so many Things. And so because this is a podcast about, you know, the references, the frame of this podcast is always the internet. So right. this is that's the kind of story that we're going to be following is mostly, you know, outside of the larger story, following the internet's journey with this story. This is but like before we get into it, this is a really interesting thing, because on that point of the Internet, it's not like we don't have certain precedents for cases unfolding through social media. Right. Like in various degrees, like I remember the days of Luca Magnotta and like the sort of being obsessed with Tumblr posts and kind of following that. And then, you know, we've got other sort of like other things that have bubbled up in recent times. And like, as everybody has a phone and everybody has a some degree of like interest in documenting their lives and their environment around them, we will continue to see more of this kind of thing. It happens that like, there is something like very hyper of this moment and of the now about this case too, that I think well, has sparked so much interest. Literally. I mean, it's happening literally now. of <laughs> the now. And I think yeah. that that is a super part, a super important part of this dialogue that we need to acknowledge is that a big reason why everyone is out, not just like the true crime ladies with the, with the rescue cats, and that's not a reference to myself, I like everyone is out. There's people who in my discord, there's like 57 year old men who mostly popped in there to start calling Gabby a crazy toxic person and now are completely on the other side of that. Like everyone was interested in this case. I mean, it's because it's, it's, it's an ongoing investigation and it has only gotten crazier. So they have a very detailed timeline Some of these, the only one that can really be taken with a grain of salt are the ones that say Instagram because they could be edited and changed. But Gabby and Brian, 
Brian Laundrie is the name of the boyfriend. They met back in high school, actually. Brian's parents and Gabby's parents are both from Long Island. I'm not sure of whether or not they knew each other growing up, but the Laundries look significantly older than Gabby's parents. Gabby also has the benefit of being a child of divorce. So she has an amazing stepmom and an amazing stepdad who have also been adding to this whole thing and getting out there and doing media coverage. There's also a godmother who's been out there and and this sort of level, high level of family just being forward facing and getting out there and being relentless with press conferences and going on podcasts is, you know, I mean, it's just, it really pushes it over the top. And when people sometimes ask about, you know, certain missing persons cases or like, why is this case important? The thing is, is that this girl, Gabby, had people just unrelentingly making TikToks and getting the word out there. And as soon as they can, as soon as they could, they started getting on news interviews and really, really blowing up this story. And so I do want to just point out if like your family is very active or the friends of this missing person are very active on social media in terms of getting the word out, you are way more likely to have people become as interested in this case and hopeful about a positive result because I think that's where I mean that's where I'm coming from I just want to see this girl go home I'm not getting off on this you know yeah yeah I think there's like um because everything seems to be incredibly open so that and I think this happens anyway when anybody in the in a sort of like a true crime bubble or something sort of some sort of horrific event happens and they will have like public socials like the ease of which people can find that and then also share information is can become quite intoxicating which I'm sure you'll speak to most like it can be like you are looking for answers for it for something that is like truly like unthinkable and it's like there's a feeling of connection and also helplessness to it but the fact that there is like so much media that you can consume from various different sources on on the internet um, can become yeah, it can become totally intoxicating. Absolutely. And also, honestly, I've just learned so much about simply where the states are in the U.S. Um, oh, yeah, some of yeah. these, there's, this is such a multi-state. They were on a road trip. So, of course, the FBI is automatically involved when that sort of thing is going on. But, yeah, so Gabby and Brian met in high school, but they didn't date. And then in March of 2019, they started dating. They got engaged in July of 2020. Whether or not that engagement was called off is not clear right now. Mm. Yeah. Because some people, it's unclear. I don't think anyone confirm, can confirm or deny the status of their engagement. But it they were at one point, they had broken they had, t- they, you know, called it off. So they leave New York. They drove from Florida with their new van to New York to Gabby's to see Gabby's family. And then they got started on their trip. So on July 4th, they went to Monument Rocks. The 8th, they're in Colorado Springs. The 10th in the Sand Dunes. Zion National Park for the next three days. They go to Cedar Banks on the 28th. Bryce Canyon. Then they go to Mystic Hot Springs on the 26th, 27th, blah, blah, blah. So let's fast forward because none of this is necessarily, they had a great, they had a great 
road trip in terms of getting to see a lot of stuff for a lot of this. Now, this is when things start to get interesting. On 8-12, they went to Arches National Park in Montana. And then at 8-12, also on 8-12, at 4.44 p.m., the Moab police officers responded to an incident, mental health crisis, involving BL and GP with someone else calling in the incident, insufficient evidence as the time to justify the criminal charges. They were potentially arguing over the phone when they were stopped by an officer after the incident. Gabrielle was extremely distressed, and BL and GP agreed to separate for the night. So... This did you get to see the body cam footage? Did you watch the video? Yeah, I did. It it, it this kind of stuff always gives me the heebie-jeebies because I feel like I am reading. I, I'm reading so much subtext because I know what the I know what the context of the following days and weeks would look like. So it read as a little disturbing to me. She she definitely was very distressed, but I mean, it's only one. It's it's a microcosm, right? It's a perspective. So I'm I'm projecting what I know to have later occurred onto it oh yeah I mean I think that for me I just I right away saw and I know that we're supposed to not center ourselves in these sort of things but it's when you see a certain situation sometimes you can identify or at least a very good idea of a dynamic yeah and you know when I say that Brian couldn't have been more enthusiastic to speak to those police. Mm. Even though he didn't say anything really bad about Gabby, except to say that she was crazy, that, you know, he also has mental illness, but hers is further along sort of thing. You know, he's growing out with these cops. There was one female cop, woman cop. I don't know what I'm supposed to call her. Like, I know people say they hate female, but like, what is it? A lady cop? Is that better? What do you want? It's She's a female cop. She was not having any of his buddy-buddy shit. Brian mm. tried to fist bump the officers. Meanwhile, Gabby has been placed in the back of a patrol car just to get some space. She's not handcuffed or shut in there or anything. And she has been crying hysterically. And it seems like by the state of her face and eyes that she's been crying for hours. Like maybe yeah. even woke up from a long night of crying to continue Hardcore. crying today. That sort of puffiness, like when you just like when you feel like you're just not quite catching your breath, like uh, yeah, I I rec- I know what you mean about not projecting yourself, but I I recognize that in her. And Brian, to me, doesn't seem like much of he doesn't seem like he's a scary guy in any way. He was very calm. In fact, he seemed. You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy, but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were, and it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But 
I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. Like just a regular dude, like almost like he had gotten pulled over for a, you know, some sort of like miscommunication like mm. an expired sticker or something, but it turns out that his sticker was in his glove box. Like he was just so cool about it. So it it made you think like he must be, he must be not unafraid, but there's a very common dynamic in narcissistic abuse. And that is when you are after the love bombing stage But before the discard stage, sometimes there can be a dynamic that takes place called reactive abuse. Mm. And that is specifically when a narcissist picks at you and picks at you and picks at you in private or even blows up at you in private and then picks at you in person in a way that sounds normal to everyone else but is like a direct just shot down your nerves right for you right eventually you are going to snap and why don't you just leave well if you don't understand why people don't just leave you're an idiot sorry like turn off the podcast I can't help you like the reason why people don't leave are a wide variety of reasons and if you don't understand that you're lucky so then they go by they stop into Moab on the 13th something interesting is going to happen in Moab But then from the 17th to the 23rd, and this has not been hard confirmed, but this this fact comes from, because the family's not talking, so they can't confirm anything. They, Brian does have a right to the Fifth Amendment, which means that he does not have to comment on anything. And he has, he was lawyered up as soon as he came home, by the time the police came around to question him, he'd been lawyered up. And they decided to go ahead with the very frustrating but completely constitutionally legal right to plea the fifth, which means that you are not going to say anything. So, yeah, apparently he flew to Florida during that time to help his father move Brian and Gabby's things into a storage unit. That's really... This is a this is a tricky one for me. There's a lots of there's lots of parts about this story which I'm sure we'll we'll get a degree of clarity on as things move forward. But there are so, lots of little points of the story that I'm just like, Wait, what? What? Okay. Right. So apparently, I for some reason flying Brian home to pack up him and Gabby's stuff and put them into a storage unit was the most financially advisable thing for them to do. I don't know why. Any way you cut it, it's cheaper to hire literally anyone unless you have miles out the ass to come home and move this. They were moving stuff out because they'd been living with his parents and his parents had decided to get a divorce. Right. Okay. So I, whether or not paperwork on that divorce has been filed, I don't know. Florida is a sun, sunshine state. They have the sunshine law. That means anything that happens there is public record. So while Florida is crazy, the reason why we have so many Florida man stories is because of that. 
So they posted a YouTube video on the 19th. They updated their website on the 20th. So this is interesting. On the 21st, Gabby FaceTimed her father from a hotel and asked him to order her Domino's for food through Uber Eats. Now, I, I heard it was Domino's. Now it's Uber Eats. But anyway, there was power outages there because of local fires. And she was they were running low on cash. And so this was the second time during the whole trip. I believe her godmother said that she had also sent Gabby some Uber Eats or whatever. So 825, she had her last FaceTime with her mom and said she was heading from Salt Lake City to Grand Teton and told her mom that she wasn't sure what, what direction her relationship was heading. Later that day on the 25th, we get the last Instagram post. Location of a picture is the Monarch Wall in Ogden, Utah. Potentially a photo from earlier in the trip and saved as a draft post for the end of their trip. This is speculation. So they were supposed to return on Halloween. And she posted a photo that was her in front of this wall holding a mini knitted stuffed pumpkin. We all know this from Reddit. The stuffed pumpkin she bought in Utah and wrote Happy Halloween under it with randomly a fly emoji. Hmm. So, like a mosquito type. So, there was after that, there was like, you know, I think that, you know, she had, she sent a text to her mom saying she was heading to Yellowstone on the 27th. She didn't show up to meet her friend in Yellowstone. Her friend was having a birthday and was also van lifing. And they were supposed to meet up in Yellowstone for her birthday, but they they never showed up. There was also, this is where, this is added after because of TikTok, this woman named Miranda, her TikTok is, her TikToks, we'll play them in a little bit. But this is at 6.09 p.m. was when she picked him up when he basically like ran up to her and her boyfriend and asked them to drive him to Jackson Dam. Okay. So there was a couple more things like this Spotify playlist was added. She sent one random text to her mom on the 30th saying no service in Yosemite. Her mom had been trying to get in touch with her for days. Let's see on September 10th, Gabby's mom texted Brian's mom and said, I'm worried about the kids. Have you heard from Brian? And there was no response. Whether or not Brian actually returned to Florida on 9-1 is, I feel, is never, con- I don't think that's concrete, whether or not he actually returned on September 1st. But, I mean, this guy must have driven through for 37 hours straight in right. order to get home. It's crazy how quickly this guy got home. So Gabby's mom doesn't say anything. So Gabby's mom decides to start calling the calling the cops to to report on the 10th. And they're not taking it seriously because one, Gabby's an adult, but two, she's on vacation. And they're more unlikely to follow up on something like that in that sort of situation. So they do get out the missing persons report on on 9-11 and the van is taken into custody. And Brian requests a lawyer. I, I don't know that he requested it. It's a fan. He, I think he already had the lawyer. And Gabby is labeled as a missing person. So the officer drops off paper at the laundry house, possibly a subpoena. More and more happens. This is when things start to really heat up. So 
On the 18th, this is the most recent update, is that Brian, okay, the cops came to the house. There was a crowd outside. We'll get more into that. There was a crowd outside. And the cops pull up to the house and everyone's freaking out because they think, oh, my God, they got something and they're going to arrest him. The cops leave the house. They go back in for a little with a little evidence bag. They come back out. They come back out of the house. Then it is announced that Brian is a fucking missing person. His lawyer got a call from the parents saying Brian's missing. The lawyer calls the cops and says, just so you know, we need to let you know that Brian's been missing since Tuesday. So this guy had, I mean, I guess this was yesterday that Brian went missing. Right. No. Oh, no, no, it was the 17th that he went missing. The 18th is when the search began. So the next day, his his parents, who we don't trust, they suck ass, dude. They're awful. His parents are the most demented people I've ever heard of. So... They say, oh, Brian's probably in his favorite park. He left on Tuesday. So they begin this extensive search as a missing person's search. They're, they keep using this reinforcing that Brian is not wanted for a criminal act. He was named a person of interest. But to put it plainly, and there's a link that will describe this even more, person of interest is essentially a vanity title. It means nothing. Like... You are a person of interest, but that doesn't mean you can't get on a plane. That doesn't mean you can't buy a house. That doesn't mean you can't marry and have kids with someone else. A person of interest is basically just to, I guess, maybe intimidate to to answer that publicly. Yeah, I suppose it's like being put like slightly on notice that something could possibly be coming your way, potentially. Or maybe just an acknowledgement of like, yeah, we know he's sus, but yeah. So yeah, there's so much more to get into with like all the geo tags. And I feel like all of this stuff will start to come out as we go through these links, all these little details. Again, I, I really promise, I swear if I've, if I mess anything up, I can't stress to you guys enough. I've, there's probably been the last like four days since this started really like being something that I was actively tracking really hard and trying to help find out, you know, going through cameras to see if there's still shots from any traffic lights in certain towns to see if we can find traces of Gabby or Brian in them. I it's I've probably spent maybe 12 of those four days, 12 hours sleeping. So I'm very like sensory overload and I feel like I'm, I kind of screwed myself, but I'm addicted to it. So I can't stop. I kind of screwed myself on this case because I am so overwhelmed with knowledge that I might fuck up. So you're, you're in, you're in very, very deep, very, very deep. And there is constantly, there is constant new stuff constantly 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 and I have to say thank god for social media because this isn't this would have been pre-dawn of the internet a really tricky case because there are multiple states involved as we know like police in various counties don't even really communicate effectively let alone across multiple states if you like you know have ever been 
on the road or camping or whatever, there is a, a level of unreachableness and in even vulnerability to to your state. And it would have been incredibly difficult to find to find like exacting timelines were it not for lots of other people who are also in these kind of like traveling van lifestyle communities or even just like out in the world human beings kind of coming in with leads and knowledge and sometimes that is a is a really distracting thing for a case but for a case of this kind I think some of this stuff that has come in will be incredibly crucial to helping the police establish like timelines in particular and be able to tie tie him in knots if they do ever find him alive I have doubts about his proof of life at the moment but they'll be able to use that that information so like I don't yeah 10 years ago I think this would have been a long-standing unsolved case 100% totally and I absolutely I I was reading one person who was maybe being a little bit ambitious but I think there's some truth to it is that this case will possibly go down in history because of the incredible work that's been done on social media so much stuff has come from it and you know it I feel like this is not the case to hate on people for following and also I think that there's a huge well we'll get to it but I remember when I said Moab was important ah yes so there was a couple there that they're named Crystal Michelle Turner and Kylan Carol Schultz they were 38 and 24 respectively so they were murdered in Moab. They were also van lifers. They were, I believe it was a very violent murder. I believe that they were, I think, I know at least one party was raped and one was beat with a hammer. Oh, wow. I think they were also shot. And so it was a very gruesome murder. And coincidentally, when, or maybe not, but I think, yes, I think personally, my my feeling is coincidentally, they were in a shop called Moonflower when they were in Moab, which is sort of, I think it's a juice store of sorts. And the girl working the counter was the younger of the couple. And they had a brief conversation and allegedly Gabby got upset and left during that exchange whether or not that's true I don't know this is another thing a lot of people only want information that is 100% accurate and confirmed but we have a case where one girl has been missing for nearly three weeks and she is still not found and the only person who has any idea what might have happened to her has now also gone missing and we might not get a lot of answers. And so I I don't think it is harmful to toy around with certain ideas until they've been fully denied, right. like confirmed untrue. So, okay. The couple in Moab, they've officially, it's been officially ruled that they were not tied together anymore. And that just very recently happened. But there are people who really believe in that there's this guy cheese who's in my discord who like even dm'd me and wanted to make it clear that he thinks the law enforcement angle is not being thought about enough there he thinks law enforcement could be involved truthfully i think what happened with the couple is a reflection of two things one the crime rate but two it was a hate crime that's it 
Right. Like in my mind, unless this wasn't someone who had a personal vendetta, this was probably a hate crime. Like they were van life is not safe for women, period. It's not safe for gay women. They were in Utah. Mm. So they also, you know, they did have some they did find some drug paraphernalia in the car. It sounded really extreme to me by the way people were talking about it. When I looked it up, it just seemed like they had some generally harmless meds. Nothing fun. Right. I think they had like 10 Klonopin or something, <laughs> uh, which for like a road trip is like really not that much. And some marijuana. And there was a scale. But then they also went to the storage unit and there was a bunch of more paraphernalia. So who knows how, what kind of there might be ties to drugs or whatever point is, is that you can speculate about that all you want. We're not going to spend too much time on it. So Gabby's mom, again, she had tried to file the missing persons report on September 10th, but she only wound up getting through on the 11th. There's a uh, link in there about that in the notes. Okay. This is really interesting. So my right away, my feeling was I said in my discord, because people were saying maybe Gabby was insecure about the younger lesbian hitting on him and she was intimidated. Truthfully, I do not I if I had to put money down, okay? I would say 100% Brian is the one who would be intimidated if Gabby was talking to a lesbian. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, in the limited in the limited video and interactions I've seen of him. It does not seem like that, that the dynamic would be that Gabby would be the controlling jealous type because there's plenty of evidence to suggest that Brian has a pattern of behavior which suggests that he's incredibly jealous. He seemed like the kind of guy that if you were in a relationship with him and, and things were going very badly, it would be at the point where if you were at a restaurant and you made eye contact with the waiter when you were ordering your food, He'd be mm. like, "Oh, you want to fuck him? You want to mm. fuck the you want to fuck the waiter?" Like he just, like just out of control. That was very much like the impression I got from him. I would not think that Gabby was intimidated by that. So mm -hmm. Gabby Petito's best friend, who she met on Bumble BFF internet connection, she claimed that Brian Laundry had a lot of jealousy and control issues in an interview she did with the Daily Mail. Rose, how did you meet Gabby? Um, uh, roughly two years ago, um, I got a message on uh, Bumble from for friends, and it uh, was, uh, you seem so cool, I want to be your friend, can we be friends? And I was like, of course, and from there we started hanging out every day, and kind of weird to say I met her on Bumble for friends, people always laughed at us for that, uh, but hey. Glad she came into my life. And, and how was your friendship? What did you do? Well, our favorite thing was this ice cream shop that unfortunately I just found out yesterday closed down. Um, but that was our first go-to. And then other than that, we were pretty like just kind of chilling all the time, you know, just hanging out and talking. And she came everywhere with me. We, uh, we joked around and said she was my... Uh, 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 what do we call her? Uh, emotional uh, service human. Because <laughs> everywhere she went, just to like, just always cheering me up, you know? 
Um, it was about the second time we hung out. I went over to her house, either second or third time, and he was hanging out there, and yeah, that's when I first met him. Uh, what was their relationship like? Or what is their relationship like? Um, on the outside, it, he's very charismatic, so it seems very loving, and there's no doubt in my mind that she loves him, and I know that, and from how I've always seen it, he loves her. Um, of course, like any relationship, there was arguments, and she come stay at my house when there was arguments just to like get away from it, you know? And I didn't ask most questions because if she wanted to tell me, she could tell me, you know? Um, how many times did she come and stay with you? I couldn't give a number. But I mean, within the first year, I mean, I want to say at least seven to ten times. Do you remember any one particular incident that she was particularly upset with? Yeah, well, we were supposed to go line dancing on ladies' night, and her drive is about 30 minutes to me, and halfway there, she realized her uh, ID was missing. And so it caused a really big argument because Brian just didn't want her to go out. And it was a jealousy issue. And um, it caused a huge argument between them. And she came over and cried and just talked to me about what happened and told me all that she was comfortable telling me. Did you feel that their relationship was getting more problematic? I do believe that their relationship, as they kept going on, was getting a little, yeah, problematic. I mean, just seemed like there was more and more arguments and everything she did, I feel like, you know, he thought was wrong and even as she said in the body cam, he didn't even support her with her blog, which that's not what a fiance or boyfriend does. They support you with anything you want to do. and that in itself, you know, made me feel like it just continued to get worse. Brian is not talking to the police. What's, what's your message to Brian? I just wish him and his family would realize how serious it is, and my friend's life is at stake, and I would really just appreciate it if he would speak up, and he, he saw her last. If he says something, he has more information. Even just one little thing gives us a place to start. And I just wish he'd say something. Um, if anybody knows or sees any information or thinks they have any information, please, please say something. It, that's we're relying on you to say something. That's all we can do right now is hope that people say something. I want to find my friend. Then Miranda Baker, who was doing the van life trip with her boyfriend, we mentioned her earlier. Miranda starts sharing these TikTok videos where she says that she had picked Brian up 
while they were, while he was, I guess he had just come out of some sort of like hiking path and into a clearing where I believe there was also a showering station there holding just a tarp. And he was like, Hey, 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 can I, can I get a ride with you guys? I'm going to Jackson. And they're like, Oh yeah, no problem. And so he gets in their back car. He offers them even $200, which is a lot of money for someone who was, you know, in a couple where they're low on cash. Yeah. It's yeah. $200. Like, and didn't he say that he'd been, he said he'd been hiking for like two days or something, but he was actually like, he only had a top and he was looking incredibly clean and he didn't look like someone who'd been in the wilderness for two days. Right. And also Brian is a barefoot king. Ugh. Brian does not believe in shoes. So Brian, as much as possible, goes barefoot. And so, and that was a big issue with him and Gabby in the RV was that obviously Gabby wanted to do the van life thing to become an influencer. Mm. And so part of that, and the most remarkable thing about these van lifers to me is the conditions that they're able to keep the vehicle in while living in it yeah and, and it's I a, think it's tiny it's a tiny van I want to point that out it's very very small if there was any simmering bubbling anything it is a powder keg it's a it's a really small little van right and also I think this might be this is certainly not the lesson or is a very low level lesson in this whole thing but I think that they might have seen other van lifers and not realized how many of these people pimp out their vans, yeah. but then stay in hotels every night. Right. It's And hard. maybe they'll set up from time to time at a camp, but it's not, they're not aggressively living this life out of their car. For a lot of people, it's this very sad situation where entering into a form of homelessness is exotic to them. Right. And often, it's often white people. I just want to say that. Like, Mm -hmm. this kind of, like, this new, it's, like, in the Venn diagram of, like, you know, like, the new form of, like, white escapism. Like, cottagecore is on the more bougie end of the scale, but van life is right there at the bottom. It is a tough, tough life. And I've seen, you know, young women who go out on their own in these very small spaces, and they are incredibly vulnerable. Uh, Two people living in a really small living space I don't think is necessarily that feasible at long term. It doesn't surprise me that you would need to Airbnb it or like hotel it or motel it or whatever to have some semblance of like the home comforts. It looks very beautiful on Instagram when there's like a really lovely woman who's doing like, you know, virtual assistant work <laughs> and has like a beautiful large husky and, you know, a tiny, you know, whatever it might be. But I don't think that's necessarily the reality for most people who step into that lifestyle. No, it does seem like a sort of extension of the hobo chic lifestyle that can really only be pulled off by rich celebrities. I do want to, sorry, I have to quickly break up on this. Nicole Matthew, my partner in the Solid Listen Network, just sent me an update from Brian Enton, who is the guy to follow. He's been a great news source out of Florida. So the FBI is going to be having a press conference at 6 p.m. Eastern with an update on the investigation of Gabby Petito's disappearance for the all day long, there has been 
bloodhounds and cadaver dogs, as well as like hundreds of police scouring an area called Jenny Lake. So oh, that's, that's fascinating because I'm imagining that any sort of law enforcement involved in this is probably treading incredibly carefully when talking to the press just because of the public interest and the internet's reaction. Yeah, it's been their journey with this. I could I could do a whole episode just on how bizarre their public relations strategy has been, yeah, um, been wild. this entire time. Hi, my name is Miranda Baker and on August 29th, my boyfriend and I picked up Brian at Grand Teton National Park at 5.30 at night at Coulter Bay. Um, I'm hoping this can help someone identify him because I saw him from TikTok, which then made me call the authorities and um, my boyfriend and I have been in contact with a bunch of different people to help um, piece together different parts of this case, but we picked him up at Coulter Bay, like I said, at 5.30. He approached us asking us for a ride because he needed to go to Jackson, which we were going to Jackson that night. So I said, you know, hop in. Um, he hopped in the back of my Jeep. We then, you know, proceeded to make small talk, um, but before he came in the car, he offered to pay us, like, $200 to give him a ride, like, 10 miles, so that was kind of weird. Um, he then told us he's been camping for multiple days without his fiance. He did say he had a fiance, and that she was working on their social media page back at their van. Um, then once, like, in conversation I brought up yep like we're going to Jackson um he freaked out he's like nope I need to get out right now um you know like pull over so we pulled over at the Jackson Dam which I don't know if you're um if you know like Teton Park but it's not very far from Coulter Bay and if this does like reach people I can post pictures of you know exactly where we were we picked him up and the whole route or whatever and like screenshots of like the timestamps. we dropped him off at 609 p.m on august 29th um he kind of like hurried out of the car and then he's like okay i'm just gonna go find someone else to you know hitchhike and we're like okay um it, it was a weird situation so when we picked him up he was wearing a backpack he had a long sleeve pants hiking boots and he had like scruff um but he didn't look dirty for someone who was camping for multiple days like he didn't look dirty he didn't smell dirty so that part was kind of weird um and I'm just really hoping that they find her and this this helps someone like remember seeing him or you know something like that to clarify a few things that people are confused on still um when he asked her ride he has to go to Jackson, which if you're familiar with the area, a lot of people call Jackson Hole Jackson. So that's why I said yes to giving him a ride. But you think any good hiker would know south and north. We were going south of the park when he said he was camping north. He had told us that him and Gabby were not camping on a regulated campsite through the national park, that they were camping basically out in the middle of nowhere along Snake River. This is key information. He said that he had hiked for days along Snake River, but when like looking at his backpack, it wasn't full. And he said all he had was 
a tarp to sleep on, which you think if you're going camping for days on end, you'd want food and a tent, and he had none of that, and like I said, he looked clean and didn't smell bad. A lot of people were throwing at Miranda the same thing that they, I've seen some people continuing to throw this at them as of today, that Miranda was some sort of clout chaser. Like mm-hmm. she just set up this uh, this TikTok account to, you know, gain followers. And she made up this story of Brian hitchhiking. And truthfully, that's what a lot of people have thought about this whole thing with Gabby and Brian, because there was another case where a woman faked her disappearance for attention online. And a lot of people think that they have planned this entire thing, that this is some sort of you know, marketing plan to blow up guys like you have to use, we talk about quote unquote critical thinking on here. And I want to remind you, there's two types of critical thinking. There's the critical thinking that got people involved with QAnon. And then there's like actual critical thinking. I don't think that Brian with a lawyer, and I don't think that frankly, I just don't think most women really have it in them to do something like this. I honestly do not think in any world they would do this because you would bankrupt both of their families in the process. Like this, the amount of resources, and this is the thing that makes me so sick about Brian and his parents not helping at all in this investigation, is that first of all, they were draining resources when we were just looking for Gabby and now we're draining resources by having Florida cops and dogs in tanks searching this wildlife preservation, which is like thousands of acres large. Right. This is, and also like what would be gained in the aftermath? Like what kind of like, like what kind of, this isn't like balloon boy hoax territory. That's a throwback, but you know, what could be gained? And it's such a, uh, I think like we as human beings, when something like really, truly like horrible and actually very ordinary happens, we want to find, we want to find an out for that horribleness. And then just looking at what is more likely, like that two people who had possibly a very tumultuous, very jealous relationship with one party being a very controlling member of that relationship, spent a huge amount of time in a small confined space together that came to like a violent end horrible 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 thing to think about or you know it's an elaborate hoax for like clout whatever like it's just not it it is not the most um it's it's really difficult to go from like point a to point like h when you can just go a to b like this is the most likely scenario and there is a huge amount of people involved there's a lot of stuff that isn't being released like public stuff that isn't that the police are working on that isn't being released to that we don't yet know about and it's kind of a grotesque, it's a grotesque thing to assume that it's clout. I mean, I will eat crow, but I, if, if it turns out that, you know, it's some elaborate thing, but I, yeah, it's just fucking not, it's just not. And like, what does everybody do? Like, what is, what is a certain generation of people do when they're involved in an incident, which is like huge, ginormous and massive is like the instinct is to pick up a camera and talk about it. So like, with someone right. like Miranda, like we can't begrudge her for doing what like has always been done. Even before people had access to their own cameras and their own audiences, you know, if somebody, if you were involved in something and you would 
you would speak to a local news station or whatever and do an interview like this is a thing that happens and it isn't necessarily you know what is she gonna do she's gonna get a she's gonna sell a merch line off the back of it I think the fuck not like come on like be right and and of course it's taking some of these van lifers because they are mostly sort of off the grid and not on social media probably especially not news they're just seeing this and so they're like and there's people also just realizing up until this moment there was another woman who we posted on social media who came out right before we started recording this saying that she had seen brian parked at a campsite for several days so uh, we're starting to run out of time a little bit and we still have so much more to go. I always wondered when my name was going to be weaponized as like a Karen. Um, <laughs> when when the authorities were inside of the laundry house, there was one particular person outside protesting besides the frogs. And her name is now Megaphone Molly. So this Aww. woman brought a megaphone. There else people are also calling her Megaphone Marge. But Megaphone Molly is how she's most popularly known. There's the two-hour-plus video of outside in front of the house if you want to listen to it. It's very it's, – it's a lot. Okay, so then, you know, the family – Brian goes missing. Gabby's family releases a heartbreaking statement about that. Then – Family vloggers, Red, White, and Bethune, okay? They're a family van life vlogger, okay? And they found footage in their YouTube video on 827 of the van. And that was was in a – it was in a spot for a minute. So – I was just going to say, and doesn't, didn't this video, uh, this like found footage call into question other elements of the timeline, like bits of the timeline then started kind of falling like dominoes, right? I don't know the specifics, but from what I read, people were like, huh, the van was there at that time. That's not where we thought it was. That's not where, where this is not something that we thought it would be. This now calls into question certain other elements and begins to help fill in some of the gaps of of where Brian or the van might possibly have been. Exactly. Exactly. So, and yeah, I mean, these little things change everything, right? We're trying to put together a puzzle and there's certain known quote unquote facts, like when Brian returned home or if he even ever flew home, where did that come from? It was Gabby's uncle who said that, but Yeah, so Gabby Petito's dad, and I, this was a real victory moment, not just because he's a brave and strong man, like, the he went out of his way to say, like, the media's been great, like, in all the people on social media, especially because the North Northport police in Florida were very, just, like, caustic when they first appeared on WFLA that night sort of basically accusing a lot of the stuff going on attributing it to like keyboard warriors making their life worse when in reality the keyboard warriors are the ones who can take the time as a collective there was i was on listening to the police radio scanner with eleven thousand people yesterday holy shit there's thirty thousand people in one of my discords about this. It's wow. nuts. Wow. We're all hoping for the best here. Um, a lot of the details you've, you've heard, I mean, it's, uh, they're, they're, they're tough to, to stay positive, really. 
Positivity is hard. Trying to focus on on the scenario I have in my head that she's stuck somewhere and she's just you know uh, just needs help. You know, and we you know we got to just go get her and, and bring her home. I, I know how these things sometimes end. You know, and I'm just trying not to think of that. Uh, the the media has been awesome. It's it's actually been a, a good distraction because it's been keeping me so busy. You know, if I had to sit home and just twiddle my thumbs and wait, I, I don't think I could do that. So it's actually helped me. I mean, one of the, I think one of the hard things for folks is when they're they're jumping up and down trying to get attention to an issue. It seems like we have plenty of attention here. On uh, I'll tell you, I'm very fortunate. You know, I'm very given this situation. I'm uh, I'm extremely lucky because not only has you know, the authorities, you, the FBI, all the, all the agencies that are helping out, all the task force that are helping out, but all the social media, the media attention. I mean, it's really hard to deal with, you know, but it is needed. And I'll tell you, I've, I've, I haven't seen this type of attention on something like this, and I am extremely grateful. I'll never be able to repay the type of, you know, uh, the assistance that we've been given. Um, I, 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 I'm humbled by it, and it's it's hard to you know to understand, but I I, I get on how lucky I am for that. So, as we continue on, there are still a lot of people who are very resentful of the way that this is getting played out on social media, and for right reasons. I do think this case is an exception. And, and uh, let's, I am going to play these two videos from a, a TikToker called Permanent Efficacy of Grace. And she talks a little bit about why this is so problematic. True crime is really popular with white women, right? Okay, I'm a white woman. I feel like I can talk about this. It's really popular with white women who want to feel like they are protecting themselves. And I understand the impetus. I get where that comes from. And I used to be very into true crime. I used to be that girl in like 2016, 2017. And then I realized that so much of it is rooted in this kind of desire to feel safe without unpacking the actual like socio-political factors that go into crimes happening the socio-political like standing of the perpetrator of the victim of what led to that and if you actually are like interested in preventing these crimes then what you need to be doing is like pouring your resources into low-income neighborhoods into you know, uh, universal health care into prison abolition. There's ways that you can prevent crime without exploiting the stories and the most tragic moments in the lives of people who are victims of crime. It doesn't help in the way that you think it does. And a lot of it just reinforces classism and racism in ways that are super, super problematic. And I see this all the time on TikTok with the dissemination of, you know, videos about sex trafficking that have nothing to do with actual sex trafficking, which isn't a crime that looks like someone leaving a number in the dust on your car. It, it is a self-feeding beast. And I just hate it. 
I hate it so much. I really do. I'm sorry, I guess I just don't understand where this kind of mindset comes from because you can change your relationship with something literally whenever you want. Like the entire internet during the Me Too movement kind of like hooked on to change our relationships with beloved actors and institutions. And all I'm trying to say with this is that like, your interest in true crime probably doesn't come from like the, you know, empathetic and like altruistic place that you think it does. It often comes from like a place of anxiety. And often that anxiety comes from classism and racism. And it's not something that's like really conscious. It's often, um, acting on our unconscious biases and I think that just telling people to like think a little more critically about their relationship with true crime and like the roots of that where it comes from the ways that it's like exploitative the ways that it doesn't address the socio-political issues that like need to be addressed to actually prevent crime um like, I'm just trying to tell people to, like, not gossip about this case and to, to like, step back a little bit. And I don't, I don't totally understand where this defeatist, like, this is the internet, you can't change it thing comes from. I think that we can all, like, take the time to step back and, like, talk about it and, like, think more critically about our our conversations and our interests. Okay, I'm I'm just rambling. I like to listen to myself talk at this point. But like no, we we can we can all think about it. Yeah. I'll I'll put this this way, right? I think that sometimes people's sometimes people it's a misreading of how a person is understanding something right so if Mm -hmm. if someone appears excited to you to tell you the update it's because they have been following this and care a lot so I want to like I do want to acknowledge that there's people who are being really shitty about this right there are people who are coming across really over the top or whatever but for the most part I think especially with this case there's no romanticism of it because it's happening in real time so it's not like girls who are obsessed with like school shooters or Ted Bundy I think that one thing too this is this is kind of runs back to that whole like when John Mulaney and Olivia Munn announced their pregnancy thing and everyone was scolding each other for gossiping or or reading the gossip or anything. I did see one tweet that was clearly sort of subtweeting that whole situation that basically was like women, since they have been able to communicate, have been gossiping because right. you need to know who in right. the cave is beating their wife. Or who in the cave is, you know, bad in bed or whatever. Like, there's reasons why 
we do that that are so much bigger. Gossip obviously has a huge history, but there's a reason specifically why there's always why there are these conversations, right? Why this is why we're sort of passing on this information. It's not not just coming from the place of like, oh, this could happen to me. Truthfully, I don't think this could happen to me. I don't date and I would never want to do van life. I have pets. Same. So this I'm not afraid of this happening to me. I don't have a daughter I'm afraid of this happening to. I would probably wouldn't even much more than saying to one of my cousins, hey, make sure <laughs> that you're like you have all these safety precautions in mind before you do van life, right? I don't worry about this in that sense. So I I I kind of like disagree with this take in relation to this case. I agree. I think it's I think true crime in general, crime that happens is of a public interest, like crime that becomes content is a tricky area. I understand and I hear what she's saying. And it's a valid criticism. However, there is there is something innate within human beings. Crime in itself, like an interesting crime, is a billion-dollar business. And there are varying degrees of people who engage with that. And they will all have their, re- their reasons for doing so. I'm biased. I am a, a bit of a true crime junkie. And, you know, I have made true crime content in the past. And I have wrestled with this idea of like, am I contributing to something that is that that may be reflecting back what is the worst day of somebody's life and how would their families feel about it? And what I would always do is apply the lens of if I was a person who was very, very close to a person who'd lost their life and there's that had somehow become a story that people had become interested in and I had listened to or seen anything that I had made how would I view it and I only have a very narrow idea of what that is I can't like speak to whatever but I you know in this case Gabby's father is has expressly said that this is something that he thinks is is helping and is positive in the case of his daughter and I yeah I mean yeah I have too much skin in the game to really be objective about that take I hear it there's a lot of really valid stuff in there but there there is an an interest that is undeniable and there are multiple reasons why people would be interested or engaging in this I don't think it is right to tone police people who have an interest for whatever reason yeah or simply like sometimes I'll say like you know when I get really when I go into a really hardcore crypto phase or whatever (laughs) um, especially when I started to invest in AMC I like told people I was like feel free to unfollow me because like for the next month I'm going to be a hardcore finance bro on Twitter (laughs) like you can unfollow someone that you like or mute them during a certain period of time and then join them again once the case is over unless this is what they mainly do you can choose to tune out now I do think that you can talk about true crime in a respectful way there are clearly some families not just Gabby's you know father but many families really thrive on the legacy of their lost loved one and so you know there are a lot of people that do not only support and appreciate but will even participate in sort of continuing to tell their loved one's story there's some I apologize this episode is like out of date as we're recording it and I do want to wrap this up soon so that we can go watch the press conference in 15 minutes 
But I want to point out that a lo- there was a huge conversation about race when this case has been going on because there are women of color go missing at a much more alarming rate. And yeah. indigenous women in particular. Yeah. Great. I know. Yeah. So um, 710 indigenous people, mostly girls, were reported missing over the past decade in Wyoming in the same state where Gabby Petito reportedly disappeared. And that is supremely fucked up. And I just, right. I, you know, I, I believe this article links resources. If you want to make that a pet project, if you fell in love with following or helping with Mrs. Missing Persons cases, that would be a great place to start and very appreciated. There's also an article in the notes about missing white woman syndrome, which would be interesting to read, I'm sure. There's also... You know, listen, I, I'm not like Tati, okay? I have not closed the door to divination. I do believe <laughs> in a divine spirit. And I do and I do think that there is a lot of value in tarot and mediumship, okay? Right? This is it's in, it's I think that it's incredible. I think that it's not always exactly spot on, but nothing is. There's also for real fakes out there. But there are some people who are truly talented. This one person, 1111 Tarot, she had a 35-minute call with the FBI after she did this reading. She did it. She did the reading, and then she called the FBI, and then she posted this to YouTube. So basically, she she was the one who f- figured out Jenny Lake, specifically said that she was possibly in a waterfall, a hidden waterfall in Jenny Lake. There's also some other things she says in there, but I just for the sake of not repeating anything very upsetting that, you know, is may not be true. You can go check out in the notes. 1111 Tarot is down there. You guys, thank you so much for listening there. I wish I could talk about more. It's the most frustrating case in so many ways because I feel like we have to cover this. This is undoubtedly the biggest internet story of the week. And this is unlike most stories we cover, but this is like such a full blown internet effort. Yeah. Um, and also just the fact that these guys were chasing, you know, internet fame and, and, you know, potentially falsely banked on the trend of van lifing, which is for people with very rich dads. You know, the people who do it comfortably have very rich fathers and that's just what it is. So, yeah, Tiffany, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? I mean, it's been a it's been a whirlwind of a week. This is absolutely like bullseye for me what I think like when when trend when trends happen that that sort of that capture the imagination of many many people across many many different communities, niches and the things that they consume online. So, I'm really pleased that we covered it. There are a lot of questions. I will absolutely still be keeping an eagle eye on the Discord that you sent me. Thank you for like, thank you for bringing me into your madness <laughs> with that because like thank now you. I'm obsessed. <laughs> like I was I mean, following, I was in the Reddit and I was like, oh, this is even a little full. Like, <laughs> but now the Discord, it's this is a whole nother level. So I mean, misery loves company, Mol, and I'm quite happy to sit in it with you. Well, thank you, girl. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do know what's come over me. I've been inside the house for two years, but yeah, I, 
I also know that I've never, I mean, it's very, it feels a little bit like watching the OJ chase, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I want to ask America, um, did you think we were wrong for, for that? <laughs> this for is our Bronco. That? Yeah, this is yeah. the TikTok Bronco for sure. Right. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening again. I apologize for any information. I, I may be anywhere I misspoke. I am not, I know I can't be perfect. And I also just want to say I have tremendous respect and I am so hopeful that Gabby is miraculously brought home. I am so hopeful that Brian chooses to invest in, in not only return, but chooses to make a statement about what happened. I really, I really hope for all of that. I hope for the best outcome for everyone. And I, yeah, I just, I apologize and please give me some grace if I messed up anything important. It will hurt my feelings if you, you did a angrily great job. tweet at me. You did a great uh, job. We, we did a great job. It was, it was We did a you. great job. People are hard on these streets, Tiffany. On these Discord streets, you don't know what I've been up to. All right. Um, you guys, I have to go shower for the first time in a couple days now and go to a business dinner. So we will talk to you later. <laughs> Thanks so much. We'll see you maybe on stereo at noon today. If not, well, then just keep listening to the show. We're your best friends. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hi, guys. That actually wasn't the end of the episode. I was going to leave the episode as is. But shortly after we finished recording the news of Gabby's body being found or a body that at least very much matched the description to the extent that the family and cops at this point are are moving forward and grieving as if it was Gabby. So that's pretty much that's pretty much the update. We still do not know where Brian Laundrie is and Truthfully, this is why I am so glad this is not a true crime podcast because this is just a devastating story. And I do actually want to take a moment to say that the Red, White, and Bethune family, their video of the van in Jenny Lake area, that was what led the cops to that area to search. Gabby's remains were found I believe 300 yards from where that van was in that picture. They wrote this really beautiful Facebook post. The story behind Red, White, and Bethune's vlog channel is that they had a son named Ethan who passed away. So every year they go on a road trip where essentially they can try and and bless people and and pay it forward so it is very heartbreaking but this this post that they wrote was crazy I'm sorry if I sound weird I feel weird so it says it's a very big day I truly believe that Ethan is trying to help us bring Gabby home he led me to the footage we had from our GoPros and I found it at 12.05 a.m on September 19th Today is September 19th and Ethan's birthday. He would have turned 17 today. I'm not going to be sad that he isn't here with us today because he did the biggest hashtag pay it forward for Ethan thing imaginable. He helped find this footage. I wholeheartedly believe that. I just love that kid so very much. Happy birthday, Ethan. You continue to amaze us even from heaven. So, you know, I think... 
there's a few things to take from that. I really do think that we need to start establishing that there are ways that the internet can be very, very, very helpful, especially spreading the word can be very, very, very helpful. And there's also really gross behavior that comes when these true crime stories come about. But I think overall being frustrated or grossed out or quick to scold people for being intensely interested in an ongoing case, something that's happening in real time, that is like not the time or the place. And I'm, I am, I'm, I, it's difficult to say that this case would have been solved without the help of the internet. And so again, for that reason, that's why we chose to cover this story this week, but I'm just so sorry and so devastated for everyone involved in this, but specifically the Petito family. I really hope that we can find Brian and they can have an opportunity to heal and move forward because they have been through so very much and were incredibly brave and strong throughout the entire thing. They have all of my respect. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week, not covering true crime and have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Girls, I know what you wanna be, but I ain't never seen a shawty that look like a Delta G. Every girl in here ten, but it ain't no Tennessee. And you might just get some money, but it ain't no guarantee. Delta G's on the left, Delta G's on the right. And you know I stay in Texas, I don't really like to fight. Like we in 2013, shawty do it for the vine. Shawty moving real well, I might have to wind it down. Threw the money to the ceiling, now watch it hit the floor, now rag it up. Rat, rat, rag it up, king, bag it up. Bat, bat, bag it up, king, stack it up. Stack, stack, stack it up. She said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas And if I drop a pen Best believe that she on the Thought way Thought she was important But I moved her right about the I'm way I'm Delta G's tonight Told her baby I got cheese tonight Get a scholarship I ain't smoking on no TAC Low tolerance All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow Like the tell her Shout out TurboTax Tax refund What's another Back to quarterback at recess No rush And you gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission No rush This ain't UT White shirt orange like a pumpkin Mama call me Ask me how college is I said bust What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.